look at the restoration of Peter. We'll continue our series on the restoration of Peter. Peter needs to be restored. Peter's in a bad place in his life. Peter's, Peter, I don't know about, probably out of all the Bible characters, how many can relate with Peter the most? <laughs> I can relate to, with Peter. I, I can relate with Peter, you know. Not necessarily my favorite character, you know, I like him, but, you know, I like John the Baptist, you know. But I can relate more with Peter, you know. Um, Peter, you know, kind of hard-headed. He's um, stubborn. How many can relate with that? <laughs> Self-confident, overconfident, <laughs> and um, and then, uh, but he, you know, but he's, you know, he's honest, and so and so. Let's look at the restoration. John chapter twenty-one, verse one through three. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way: Simon Peter. Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. So he went out and got into the boat, and that night they set out. Lord, we thank you for for this few minutes that we can just be gathered around your word. Strengthen us. May we learn grow in our faith and friendship, and may our faith permeate our greater love uh, for you, Jesus, our greater hope and all that you're doing within our lives. Peter is a great example of the ways that he went, that he he, he guided him, and you led him through the wilderness of his own affliction, and you made him a man after your own heart So we, we pray that, Lord, you would strengthen our hearts and help us to grow and help us to learn from Peter's life and the way you dealt with him. We thank you for Peter in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So first of all, um, Jesus um, reveals himself again in a particular way. John 21 after this, Jesus revealed himself again, right? Uh, you know, so he's you know going to reveal. He revealed himself in this way. So, 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 so pay attention to those words. Um, hopefully, some of you have gone home and you can read the whole story and then see how God Jesus revealed himself, because that's the same way He will reveal Himself to you. He will He will take very similar um, similar path. Just some encouragement because uh, when you um, when, when you start to see how Jesus revealed Himself, um, then you can now when you look at your own lives, you've been able to see. Oh, uh, there's there's a revelation of Jesus coming. I can te- I can feel it. Have you ever, have you ever experienced that? You go through something, and you feel okay, something's coming. Jesus, you know, and hopefully you've had that experience. Um, secondly, Simon Peter thanks him first. He, he's mentioned first. Um, Simon Peter thanks him first, and that's no accident, um, because the whole story is really about Simon. I mean, Peter's real estate title is Satan. So, um, thirdly, um, notice notice that um, the disciples are together. So one of the things that one of the one of the uh, the, the ways that God reveals Jesus reveals Himself to us is together. Um, no, you know, Lone Ranger, Peter's by themselves. They want to spend, you know, yeah, God does do nice things, but but. There are significant revelation of Jesus Christ that he does in the context of other people when we are together, when we're praying together. We're not just, you know, barbecuing, but, you know, but, but really seeking God together and, and, and really pursuing the Lord together. Jesus does few, really unique things when a people really, um, really bind themselves. That's why I'm so you know, obsessed about being together. One of the reasons is, I'm going to let you know, is because I want a re- greater revelation of Jesus. Uh, because there's something about the revelation of Jesus that comes when you are together, right? Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, everything that we desire is, is from Jesus, right? Then fourthly, we, we, we see that um, the, the 
story, the story starts with this point. Peter said, out of the blue, I am going fishing. Very, very odd, you know, when you consider all that is at stake here. Peter's statement will be the key. This statement, I'm going fishing, is the, the thesis of this whole thing. I'm going fishing. That statement there sets the tone for this book. I'm going fishing. Um, and we, we at least, we learn, we learn three things of which we covered two already. Today we'll cover the third one. Um, we learn from this statement, I'm going, you know, as you, as you study it, you meditate, what does it mean when Peter says, I'm going fishing? It means, um, number one, Peter's statement reveals that the bigger distraction of the group, he's detached. He's emotionally detached. He doesn't need fishing. I'm going fishing. I don't know what you guys are doing. I know what I'm doing. Now, when you want somebody to go with you, what do you normally say? Hey, hey guys, want to go fishing, bud? Right? Hey, hey, you want to go? Now, and, and no, I can't. Yeah, come on, maybe we have time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. But there's a, our words speak, our words reveal what's in our heart. Um, um, hey, you want to come with me? You ever, you ever, you ever notice that? The meaning when someone tells you, I think in our world today, we're, we're so individualistic, so, but hey, you want to come with me? That's a beautiful thing. Hey, I'm going to Home Depot. You want to come with me? They're actually saying, I want to be with you. That's a beautiful thing. That's not what Peter said. <laughs> That's not what Peter said. Um, it's quite, have you, have you seen the opposite? I've, I've experienced the opposite. I'm, I'm going this, like, 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 I'm doing this. With no consideration of me, they invite me, right? And it's like, okay, I guess they want to do that. You know, I'm going fishing. So he reveals a certain detachment. There's a there's a detachment, you know, from the group. He's um he's not seeking companionship. Peter's not seeking companionship. Uh, he still simply tells them, I'm going fishing, and he whether whether or not anyone goes doesn't really matter to him. He's going fishing. All right, detachment from the community of God's people is really a bad sign that we're not walking in the light. Look at 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. So, so you begin to see something's wrong with Peter. There, Peter is not walking in the light. How can I say that? He doesn't seem to have real good fellowship with his disciples, Simon. There's, no, there's something's off. Something's off here. There's something going on. Secondly, secondly, last week we said Peter's statement reveals a level, a dangerous level of self-determination. What is self-determination? It, it just basically simply means making decisions by oneself, making your own decisions. If you're going to be a servant of the Lord, you're, you're going to have to be crucified. You're going to have to be given up. The Lord is going to crucify you. Self-determination. I make my own decisions. I go where I want. I do what I want. I wear what I want. I say what I want. I think what I want. I eat what I want. <laughs> Wait, self, it, it, the whole life, self-determined. Making your own decisions. Right? Um, this is where the rubber meets the road, obviously, with following Jesus Christ. Right? Following Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to crucify him. Right? Self-determination came at the cost. Right? Self-determination, doing what I want and not what God wants came at the fall. That's not an accident. It's not an accident. <laughs> we were made to do God's will. We were made to delight in God's will. But since the fall, now I, I call the shots. I'm the driver in my, my car. I do what I want. Right, so if you if you're new to Jesus Christ, if you're new to Christianity, uh, let me I'm, I'm going to warn you that if you walk with Him, He's going to crucify. You won't be perfect, but He will crucify self determination, and He will do it, and it's messy, and it's painful, but He does it. Amen. <laughs> How many can bear witness? He's done it. <laughs> he did it. I mean, I, w I was so 
stubborn. I was so, like, I did my own thing. I, you know, I, I, I wanted to, you know, nobody stopped me. I just, whatever I did, I, I wanted to do, and I did it, even as a Christian. And so you say, okay, it's time to confront the project. And I'm, I'm going to suggest some of you guys are broken. Does Jesus know how to change that? Amen? He knows how to change that. He's a master. That's why we don't have to, we're not, you could be right now full of self-determination and be full of hope. Why? Because Jesus is able to do the impossible. Amen? Don't be like, don't ever like agonize over yourself. Oh, I'm, I'm just impossible. That's a job. You're not impossible. You're like easy. This is, for God, this is, for us is hard. We'll set the record straight. For God, very easy. You're not a problem. You're not like, oh, I gotta really up the game here. The Lord says that. I gotta take it to the next level. No! He knows how to break us. He knows how to humble us. He knows how to make us to be what He wants us to be. Amen? And sometimes it feels impossible. Have you ever been there? That you feel, you see yourself, and you see the way you are, and you see the constitution. It's like, okay, this is horrible. <laughs> this ain't going nowhere. The Lord says, accept it. Watch me do what you can. Amen? Self-determination. He's going fishing. Not go, he's not going to smoke crack. He's not going to some whorehouse. Fishing. Just going fishing. We can see that self-determination doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go smoke crack means that you're going to Walmart. It means that you're going to Home Depot. But it means that, that you're making those decisions because you're not considering God. Right? Self-determination is the way of the world. Look what John, Jesus says in John chapter 7, verses 2 through 6. Now the Jews' feast of the booths was at hand. So his brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea. See how they're talking? They're talking as self-determined people, right? Jesus, what do you, just leave, just do what you, leave here, go to Judea, Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Just do it, right? <laughs> what are you waiting for? Just, just do it, right? Verse 5, and not even his brothers believed him. Jesus said to them, my time is near. <laughs> wow, have you ever spoken like that before? That's the kind of way God wants us to talk to people. Look what, look what Jesus says, but your time is always near. You see what he's saying? This is, he's not flattering them. Judgment. You do what, whatever you want. It, your time is always, it's always whatever you want. John six thirty eight, Jesus said, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So you can see now Peter, Peter, Peter is um, detached from the group. I'm going fishing. I don't care what you guys are doing. I'm, I know what I'm doing. Self-determined. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing that. Right? But Peter has an issue. Right? Something's going on with Peter. But that's not the only thing. Um, but, you know, but, but, you know, just you think about it. Jesus is going to intervene in Peter's life. So whatever's happening with Peter, um, it's, it, it requires God coming down, Jesus, from heaven and intervening. That's how serious it is. But it also shows how much Jesus loves him. Amen? <laughs> it shows how much he loves him. Isn't the, I mean, the Lord is so wonderful with his people. He loves us in so unique ways that it cannot be compared. To, he will not do that for no one else but for his children. He will, he will come into history and he is going to take on a form. He's resurrected, remember. He's already died and resurrected. But he has business with people. 
Amen? Isn't this encouraging for us? Amen? That no matter what you're going through, Jesus will come because you belong to him. Today we're going to look at the third, thank you, Pastor Mike. We're going to look at the third key. Let's, let's go back to John 21, 3. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. The statement reveals he's detached from the group, number one. Number two, level of self-determination. Number three, this one, this one is um, very, very, this is a, I think I have a slide for this, um, for, the, for those three points. Peter's statement reveals a desire to return to his former vocation. reveals a desire to return. He could have said, I'm traveling Europe, I'm going to see the world. He could have said, I'm building a house. I'm building a house. He could have said, So glad I'm going to become a gladiator. <laughs> you know, I love those popular sports back then. Right? Gladiators. <laughs> they had gladiator cards, you know. No, he said, "I am going what." Yeah. Well, that's that obviously that's that means something. Why fishing? Why did Peter decide to go fishing? Because Peter was a <laughs> Not complicated, but very important for you and I. Very, 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 very important. Because this, um, you, you, you're going to face this. You are going to face this 100%. Right? You're going to face this thing. Pay close attention. This story here is emblematic, uh, symbolic of our life. Peter is, his life story is your life story. My life story is your life story. He doesn't create a new venture. He doesn't create some new enterprise. He says he goes back to something he did before. Very, very important. Something, something that, that we have to just realize. So that we, And God is giving us wisdom so when the devil comes and temptation comes, we can, we can identify these patterns. Wait a minute. This is exactly what happened to Peter. He wanted, he wanted to go back to fishing. So he's a fisherman. Peter is a fisherman. Look at Matthew 4, 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus, he saw two brothers, right? Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were what? They were fishermen. The Bible actually says they were fishermen. <laughs> so they, they were fishermen. Peter was a man of the sea, a man of the ocean. He loved the ocean. The ocean was, that's where he, he came alive, right? You know, come on, if you're a fisherman and you're a computer programmer, when I did programming, I came alive. I was a programmer, right? I mean, I, I, could, pro I could program 24 hours and, and, and not get tired. I was a programmer. He was a fisherman. He came alive. There was nothing like that smelly fish. <laughs> Woo, you know, you know, it, I want to vomit, but for them it's like, that's the smell of freedom. <laughs> No doubt he spent hundreds of hours at sea. Probably, you know, let's be honest. Um, being at sea, some of you have been to sea. I've taken, I, I, did, a, I did a couple cruises. And it's beautiful. When you see the sunrise and the sun, it's just very unique when you're at the sea. And you, when you see that sun and, 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 and it just glistens on the water, you're like, wow, this is, this is magnificent, you know. There's an awesomeness to it that makes you stumble a little bit. But when you look beyond that, you see a beauty of God that is so magnificent. And so to be in, so I, can, I get it when people say, you know what? You know, I've heard people say, I, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm at best when I'm alone at sea. There's just something about the sea. You don't hear a lot of noise. You don't hear this. Maybe some birds. There's something calm and serene long as there isn't hurricane, <laughs> uh, about being at sea. He's a fisherman. 
he, he was a fisherman that came probably from a fishing family. So this was probably, you know, something that was inherited from his family. So that, that, so that fishing was not only a way of providing for their family, but it, 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 it is, fishing was probably a way that informed his identity, his sense of self-worth, right? I'm a fisherman. You know, whether or not, right, uh, people like him or not, right, but I'm a fisherman, and I'm good at what I do. I, I'm, I, I know the sea. I can tell you. It's a skill. I think, I think that these, these things are, are, are things that require skill. So, so it's, a, it's reasonable to think that Peter really, as a fisherman, he would, he would have a sense of satisfaction, a sense of uh, I, I'm, I have purpose in life. My life is meaningful. I'm a fisherman. I, I like what I do. I'm not just lost looking, learning, trying to learn a trade. He has learned a trade. That's the first thing that you have to realize. Really appreciate when Peter says, I'm, I'm going fishing, um, understand that he's a fisherman. Secondly, and, and, and to really appreciate I'm going fishing, it's not enough to just know that he's a fisherman. But you also have to, you have to add to this the fact that Jesus called Peter out of fishing. Right, Matthew 4, 19 and 20. Look at four, Matthew 4, 19 and, ten, and 20. Jesus comes up to Peter and he says, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. All right, I will make you fishers of men. And immediately, verse 20, what did they do? They left their nets and followed him. So not only was Peter a fisherman, but Jesus came to Peter in his path and called him out of being a fisherman. He says, follow me. That's a, that's, a, that's a hook call. That's not a part-time call. It's a full-time call. Follow me. Um, and they immediately left their nets and followed him. The calling of Jesus, you have to understand, you know, that if he's a fisherman and he really loves fishing, and he, he gets a sense of, uh, of, of worth, self-worth, he gets a sense of, uh, you know, um, just a sense of purpose and meaning, that tells you something about how attractive Jesus was to Peter. That Jesus can walk up to a, a, a lifelong, like, um, seaman and say, let that go, follow me. And he says, yep, that's not, that's not so right for someone to leave their profession. That tells you something about how attractive Jesus was to Peter. So when, when, when Peter heard the call of Jesus, he didn't debate it. He said, well, I really like what I'm doing. You know, how am I going to provide for my family? I'm, you know, he, he just left the nets. Amen? They, met, they left immediately. But for some reason, I think people don't go back fishing. Right? Something's not right. Something's really not right with Peter. He wants to go back fishing. Jesus called him out of it. He went back. See, what Peter's going through is a reminder that there will be come times in our lives as believers. This, if it happened to Peter, it will happen to you at some point. Um, when things will not go as expected, and there will come a temptation to return to some old way of life. Right? There will come a temptation when things don't work out. Your expectations are not met. You're disappointed. And we're gonna, we still don't know why he's disappointed. We're going to look at that next week. But we're just setting, the, we're just setting the, 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 the background for something's wrong with Peter. Peter is not right. Peter, he is going through something. And, 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 and what Peter's going through, many believers go through it. Many believers go through that same. Um, and, and what happens is that in those times, th they come to a crossroads. They come to a crossroads, and there's a temptation to return to some old way of life. And we're not necessarily talking about smoking crack, going to party. doesn't necessarily have to be something bad. It can just be going fishing. But to rekindle some worldly enjoyment, to go back to something that you enjoyed, right? There's something when we, come, we become disappointed. Things are not working out. Then there be, begins, and I believe that Satan is, is tempting. Satan is, is, is active in that time. And he begins to, hey, um, 
You remember, remember, you know, what happened to the people in Egypt? Hey, we used to eat such nice food in Egypt, right? And um, and 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 they were in a moment where they were like hungry. They were like it, things were not going well. There begins to rise little by little a desire to return to something that we used to enjoy before Christ. It could be a recreational activity. It could be a profession. Or it could even be an old relationship. But something, something that, that you know, is at the crossroads. Something that, that you find yourself, hey, there's just a temptation. Go back. Peter, I believe Peter's there. That happens to the servants of God. If it happens to Peter, it will happen to you too, and it will happen to me too. Right? Don't think like, oh, I'm, I'm beyond that. I know my Bible. <laughs> I don't think so. You know, every one of us will find disappointments and discouragements, and before long, the devil's there, and he has, you know, glitter, reminding of all the good days. Money of things that you could do. Don't feel so empty. You, there are things you can do. You know, you're good at this. You're good at that, right? Usually some interest that used to give us pleasure and, and even perhaps a sense of purpose and meaning in life. Suddenly we find ourselves craving that again, wanting to experience that taste again. It, it, it appears that Peter's at, Peter's at this crossroads. He's going back to fishing. That's, not, that, that's no accident. He's good at that. that. That's his old profession. You know, he, he's got meaning. He's got purpose. He, 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 this, this, is, this is easy. Right? You don't have to be a theologian. There's a reason why he's going back to fishing. Not, not a mystery. Peter's trying to fill some emptiness. Something's going on in Peter. There's something from his past. And perhaps this morning you find yourself at a crossroads, or you know someone that this morning is going through a crossroads, and they're struggling. Things are not working out. Um, they had some hopes and expectations, and well, you know, um, maybe they've they've gone through some failures, and and suddenly they find themselves. You know what? They've lost their zeal. They lost their hopes. They lost, you know, you know. And finally, wh- what happens? The, the the temptation to return back, and that's happened. That moment has come to all of us. The scriptures provide tremendous examples of men and women who came to a crossroads in life. Peter is at a crossroads. But one of those examples in the Bible is found in the book of Ruth. Let's look, let's look, at, let's look at this book of Ruth, the story of Ruth, in Ruth chapter 1, verse 6 through 14. We're going to look at quickly just, just to give you an example of everybody, we, we, we find this crossroads. We, we find things are not working out, and then you start to think about ways that you can occupy your time that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Simply, you're trying to fill something. Trying to, you're, you're afraid of going back. You, 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 there's something that is, is um, that will will tempt you. And I think this story in in the book of Ruth will be helpful. Verse six. Then she, Naomi, meaning Naomi, arose with her two daughters-in-law to return to return from the country of Moab. So you can see, um, Ruth gets up. And she, Ruth has two daughter-in-laws. Their names are? Ruth, no, Naomi has, sorry, did I say two? Naomi has two daughter-in-laws. One is Ruth and the other one is? Opa, Opa Winfrey. No, or, Orpa. <laughs> Orpa. It's easy. If I say Oprah, don't, 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 don't mess with me. <laughs> it, it just gets stuck. Or, Oprah, no. Orpa. Or pop. Two daughter-in-laws are coming out of Moab. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, two is symbolic. Right? Two seeds. Cain and Abel. So, that's, so this story is going to be a metaphor, I believe, for this week's message for us. Ruth and Orpah represent two kinds of believers. Two kinds of believers that will leave Moab. Moab is one of the Gentile nations. They not, have nothing to do with Israel. 
Moab represents the old life, right? All of us have a past in Moab. All of us have something, right? In the past. For see, I heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. See, all of us, we hear in the fields of Moab, in our, in our worldly ways, in our worldly lives, right? The, the message of the gospel comes to us. We hear. Amen? How many heard? <laughs> How many heard that, that, that God had visited his people in Christ Jesus and that he's given them food, right? The gospel is this call that goes out to the world, right? That, that goes out to the world and, 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 and really we, we hear the message of the gospel and we, 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 we pay attention, right? And then suddenly we respond. We respond to the message of the gospel. For she set out, verse 7, she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law. Both Orpah and Ruth began their journey together. Right? They both, they both began the journey together. They both leave. Right? They both um, um, are responding to the gospel, kind of, right? They're both, they're both leaving the land of Moab. They're leaving their old lives behind. They're coming, right? And verse 7 says, and they went on the way to return. They went on the way to return to the land of Judah. So they're on the way. Now that language of the way, right, um, actually is used in the book of Acts. The way, right? Uh, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2 um, says, but Saul, still bringing threats and murder against the disciples of, of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked them for letters to the synagogue at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way. In verse 7 of, um, uh, of the book of Ruth, they went on their way. Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah went on their way. They're, they're, they're many are, 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 are begin their gospel journey seeking spiritual sustenance. They, they leave. They're on their way to Judah to find bread, right? They're on their way. All of us are on a journey, right? On a journey. The Lord calls us out of the world, calls us out, right? And, right? Um, and we're all here because we heard the Lord. We heard the gospel message. All of us are here. But then, at some point in the journey, at some point in the journey, circumstances uh, are going to change. At some point in the journey, we don't know at what point in the journey this began, but at some point in the journey, the Bible says in verse 8, Naomi said to her daughters, return each of you to your mother's house. I, I believe that this, this represents what happens to every believer. Again, Naomi's speaking to whom? Ruth and Orpah. She's speaking to both. There's no discrimination here. It's not, she's not saying, Orpah, you need to go home, you know. <laughs> no, he, she's saying both of them. Both of them are coming under the pressure, under the pressure to return home. You got to return home. And so I believe that this is symbolic. Naomi, Naomi is symbolic of circumstances and uh, that there's going to come a pressure. And this happens so often. I, why the Lord does this, I, I don't know. Right? It, it's just one of those things that, that I, I, when I get to heaven, I say, Lord, why, why does there have to be a mixed crowd when we, for those who leave out of Egypt? Why, why there has to be a mixed crowd? Why is there Orpah? Why not just, why didn't Orpah just stay in Moab and Ruth come and settle the issue? Why? Why is it that there's a mixed crowd? Why is it that, that, that God, for whatever reason, and it's clear, but it's a question that I say, Lord, you know, why is it that way? But it is, it is that way. Two people, mixed crowd, leave. And at some point, at some point, both. Orpah and, and Ruth will start to feel the pressure to return. They're gonna, and that pressure will come from a very familiar voice, Naomi. Go, return to each of you to your mother's house. Naomi appeals to them. Go home. Go to the comfort of your home. Ruth and Orpah have come to a divinely ordained crossroads. That happens to all of us. All, all of us come to these crossroads. Circumstances come to you and there'll be that voice. Go home. Return. What are you doing? We 
verse 8, Naomi says, look, the Lord deals kindly. She actually proclaims a blessing upon them. Look, this blessing. Now, some of you have blessings sometimes can be very dangerous, right? Blessings can can take our hearts away from the Lord, right? May the Lord kindly deal kindly with you as as you have dealt with, with the dead and with me. Naomi invokes the Lord's blessing on each of them. May the Lord... Verse nine. May the Lord grant. May, may the Lord grant that you may find rest. Now that word rest there is really in the context of finding a husband. May you find a husband appealing again, appealing to something very deep that a woman wants a husband. But don't don't limit this to just a husband. These are just stories. These are historical narratives, and these are pressures that come to every believer. Every believer that comes out of Egypt comes under the same pressure. You come under, I come under it, and there's this pressure to return, to go back. And they, they will be made an appeal. The appeal may not come along the lines of a husband or a wife, but it will come along the lines of something else, something that perhaps you long for, something that you want to accomplish in life, something that you want to experience in life. It will come along some lines that, that, that is unique to you. The desire for companionship and relationship is a deep human desire, and, and, and Naomi is appealing to that. That's kind of cold, right? That, that I'm like, man, Naomi, you know, why do you want them to leave so badly? Just let them come with you. But she's c- appealing to them. But, but Naomi doesn't know that this is by the God's providence. This whole story is inspired by God in order to strengthen our faith so that we could be aware when these pressures come, then nope, I know exactly what's happening. She even kissed them, expressed great affection. Do you see God's hand in this? You know, th- this is like, th- this is very, this is something that the Lord does. He just does, and he, he, he's not ashamed of saying it. He does this. He's, he's, he puts pressure on. He tells people, you know, wh- why are you coming? I mean, remember Elijah and Elisha? Remember the story with Elijah and Elisha? And Elijah, Elisha wanted to follow Elijah, and Elijah would say, no, go back, go back, go back. Go back. That's the Lord. The Lord will do that. Go back. It's amazing how the Lord does that. Right? He, he brings these things. He's trying to get at something. And then Elijah said, I ain't going back. I want a double portion. <laughs> right? There's something we have to get used to. And then they lifted up their voices and wept. They, they're overwhelmed by this. And, um, and then they said to her, no, we will return with you. They passed the test. Wow, they passed it, right? No. No, Naomi. We will return with you. Oh, this is so true. How many people passed the test, right? The first time around. They, they passed the test. Both Ruth and Orpah passed. And they firmly expressed their conviction. We're not going nowhere. We're going to go with you. Beautiful. Amen. Praise God for those victories. Amen. <laughs> Sometimes they come. Have you been there? And, and, and in a moment of like, and then you say, no, Jesus, I'm with you. I'm here. Have you ever had those moments? Oh, how precious those moments are in my, in, in, when I've come to those moments with tears in my eyes and Jesus. And you get and you get to that place, and it, it's a moment. It's amazing. It's happened several times in my life that when that thought has come to my life, Jesus, I'm here. I get out of there. Just as fast as I can. That's happened to me like four or five times. Gave me forty thousand dollars. 
buckets. I'm going to walk. I'm going to climb the crooked ladder, and I'm going to make hundreds of thousands of strikes. <laughs> no, Jesus, thank you. It is you that I need. Amen. They passed the test. Peter passed the test too. You know, Peter actually in John six sixty six. Look, 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 look at Peter. Peter, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They came to a point where the disciples, they, many of them left. <laughs> they left 12 from hundreds to 12. <laughs> and Jesus has a Naomi moment. And Jesus does not get on his knees. Oh, my dear Peter, please don't leave me. Please. <laughs> no, Jesus doesn't do that. What Jesus does is, is, is a Naomi moment. Says, uh, and Jesus says to the twelve, says to the seven, you want to go also? Ooh. Wow, do, do you feel really bothered me sometimes. Like, he just turns to the 12 and says, you, you want to go as well? It's almost like he's giving them permission. <laughs> he's not like, you guys are thinking about leaving, right? <laughs> Doesn't say it that way, you know? It's like, um, you, you want to go as well? Let's go as well. Now, let's be honest. You can read into that. Why would Jesus say that? What do you think the disciples are thinking? They want to go. <laughs> right? They're, some, they're at a crossroads. Number one, Jesus just violated the, the, the Torah. He said, you got to eat, eat, drink my blood. Whoa. For a Torah person? Okay. I gotta rethink because you just violated my the amazing and not to eat my blood. Now you're you're going against Yahweh? Whoa, wait, wait a minute, I gotta <laughs> is this a fraud? You, you understand? They're not like machines. These disciples are not machines. They're they're people. They're they're, they're trying to figure things out as much as you and I are trying to figure out. And they're like, this man just said they went to drink his blood. Okay, this is this is this is a little this you got too far, Jesus. Right? Secondly, all of their buddies are leaving. All of the crowd. I mean, have you ever felt the, the, the effects of someone leaving? You ever felt the effects? You feel it? You feel it. You feel the effects. It's like, oh, why are you leaving? You feel the effects. Because we're, we're relational beings. They feel the effects of so many people basically saying, we're done. This show is done. And then they're, they're left short. They're like, whoa. So, so I think they're wrestling. They're wrestling. Like, I, I don't know about this. I got to think about this. This is too bad of them. You want to go as well? Now look at this. In light of the fact that we're talking about Jesus, what does Jesus say? Simon Peter answered, Lord. Now the answer, the answer shows that they were struggling. He doesn't say, look, of course not. <laughs> what makes you say that? Right? Right? I mean, <laughs> I mean they're human just like you and me. When, 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 if somebody tells you, are you leaving? No, I'd be sad. <laughs> right? Like, you, you know, you know uh, what he's basically saying is like, um, we have considered the options. <laughs> we have considered it. And, and as far as we know, uh, there's nowhere else to go. <laughs> I mean, you, you understand that, 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 that he's, they really have, they've really examined it. They're like looking at all the possible options. Like, Lord, to whom shall we go? You, you have the words of eternal life. I mean, it shows you that they looked at, they considered other options. It's 
first that they came to they came to a one to say and Jesus was was exactly Jesus is doing <laughs> the reason why God has ordained this moment he's ordained this this is not an accident God has ordained this in order to strengthen the faith of his disciples amen that through the, all of that division all of that falling away would be terrible for those who fell away but glorious for those who remain their faith would be reinforced and Peter would echo words that I believe many of us in times of trial in times of difficulty many of us have said these words right Lord Many of us said that. I've said that at least two or three times. <laughs> Lord, where am I going to go? I mean, this is hard, and I'm frustrated, and I'm I'm upset, I'm disappointed, and I'm this. But where am I going to go? Right, <laughs> right. This is not a a, a, a a statement of glory, is glorious. This is a faith of just like of examining all the options. You're like, is Jesus is the only way? Amen. It is necessary. So Peter passed the test. Naomi said, go back to Ruth, um, the last verse, turn, turn back to my daughters. Will you, why will you go with me? Now now she's going to, now the situation, uh, just because you passed the test in the past doesn't mean that you're not going to be, you're not going to face the trouble. It's not over. They're not out of the woods yet. Naomi said, turn back. Man, what's this persistence? Right? In our lives, it may not happen the same day, it may not happen the same month, it may not be the same, but there comes a time when there's the, the circumstances, God's not letting up. He's trying to get at something. Turn back, my daughters, why will you go with me? That's, that's a brilliant question. Think about it, logically. There's no logical reason why you should go with me. And she's going to actually bring it out. She says, um, 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 Naomi's going to persist her appeal to both Ruth and Orpah to return to Moab. And she's going to appeal along two lines, along two lines. It's going to be the same, it's going to be the same two lines that you and I will talk in this process. It will be appealed along two lines. First of all, Naomi will reappeal to their desire to be married. Have I yet sons in my womb that I may become your husband? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way. I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband, the Lord said, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore have restrained them? Wait. She's really trying to, like, okay, let me lay it out. Now, where are we going? You're not, you're, the only way that you can get married is if I can have kids. Yeah, is there a way to get old? She's just painting this picture, like, like an, obviously she's appealing, and this is by God's providence. God is appealing to their deep longing to be married. And she's painting this awful picture, telling them basically that to follow her to do this is to basically forfeit any hope of that. That's, that's basically what she's saying. Forfeit any hope of something that you want. You're going to forfeit that, my daughters. Um, right? Man, when the Lord comes to us, he will allow us to feel the need to forfeit desire to forfeit we, right i mean you're gonna you're gonna experience that but the question is what do we want do we want our dreams or do we want jesus right but you and i will experience that would you um lord will allow circumstances to jeopardize the deepest longings that we may have not only that but naomi will also appear appeal to a life of suffering for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Now, this is very important because this will typically happen. This will be the nail on the coffin for one of us. This will be the nail on the coffin. Maybe even more than the marriage. I don't know. But this appeal Naomi makes, um, the hand of the Lord is against me. Does the hand of the Lord against Naomi? <laughs> why does she why does she interpret her life like that? 
he says, what is the purpose that God is against you? That's the devil. Naomi misinterprets the adversity in her life. She misinterpreted it. She felt this was judgment from God. She felt that this was the hand of the Lord against her. As far as she's concerned, the Lord is not for her. The Lord is against her. Do you see that? The hand of the Lord has gone out against me. She appeals to Ruth and Oba, but not to follow them because, you know, the reproach of the hand of the Lord. I tell you, how often does that happen to you when you are praying for a person? Right? The devil comes and tells you, she's against you, that person. She doesn't really like you. One of the reasons why you're not getting what you want, she really doesn't like you that much. Right? Right? I mean, it's a lie, but it's a powerful lie. Satan. And b- before we know, we start to have a, a pity party, right? Pity party. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's blessed but me, right? Um, and, 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 and I'm telling you, this is very powerful. It's a lie. Satan, people start to believe that God is not for them. In fact, God is against them. They start to believe that, uh, and these voices come. He's not for me. If he was for me, then this would happen. If he was for me, he would not let that happen. If he's for me, right? And we come up with all these things, and and we're at that crossroad. Remember, we're at a crossroad, and Satan is going to bring lies. He's going to inundate, he's going to bombard us with lies. God is for us. Amen? And that's what happened at at, at the Garden of Eden. Oh, he, he wants to keep you from really enjoying life. But if you eat of it, then you experience, right? The same lie that the Satan, that the serpent told Eve is the same lie that he comes to us. We think that our circumstances are against the voices. Uh, well, he doesn't really like me. He's not going to bless me. He's not going to do it. He's not for me. But it's powerful. And I'll tell you one thing. I don't know what happened to at least one of them, but it affected them. They lifted up, verse 14, they lifted up their voices and wept with bitter tears. You know, you know, people that turn away from the faith, it's, I believe that most of the time it's very emotional. You know, it's weird. It's just very weird because why you turn it. But it's a very emotional experience when people turn back. It's not like they turn back and they're just like, whatever. No, I I found in my experience that they turn back and there's an emotional component to turning back. They lifted up their voices and they wept with bitter tears. And Orpah Some of you who may not understand what it means. There's another kid. <laughs> Luke 22:41. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd, and a man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus. Look what happens. In verse 14, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. This is a farewell. Orpah, Orpah came to the point where she calculated the risk, calculated what she wanted, her husband. I'm not so sure what I want. I want you. I don't want you. I mean, they they lost both both of their both of um uh, her sons died. Okay, so there's there's real reason that they could have felt. Yeah, God's gonna, God's, God's gonna keep that. Naomi, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take a step back because you get two two sons die. I'm like. Yeah, let me start with a fresh family, you know. Um, so there were reasons that she could, but the Lord, the man was not against her. She understood that. But God had ordained it. And Orpah basically realized that life, a life of divine reproach without a husband is just too much for her. She decided to return home. Orpah counted the cost and traded her possessions. She kissed her mother-in-law. Many professing believers will find the Christian life too much. Many will come to a crossroad. Remember, Orpah and Ruth are under the same pressure. Orpah and Ruth are under the same pressure to return. Orpah returns. There will be those who find the Christian life too much to bear um, um, uh, and will eventually turn away from the faith. That's the reality. But unfortunately, we, we have we're we seeing it happen like more than ever before, and we will continue to see people turning away. And a lot of it is for the same reason. 
um, something old, and I'm going to go back to something old. I'm disappointed. I'm hurt, and and I'm just going to go back, right? Um, When Peter says, I'm going fishing, doesn't it feel like Orpah kissing her mother-in-law? And returning to mom, Peter counted a caution. He made a decision. I'm going fishing. Something's turned in Peter. But Ruth clung to him. Right? Verse, verse 14, which is beautiful. Ruth clung to him. Ruth decided to stay with Naomi despite the fact that there were no prospects of marriage. And, um, and probably, yeah, maybe this old woman is, is cursed. Who knows? But I, but we'll, we'll be cursed together. <laughs> right? She, she takes the car. She says, you know what? Yeah, you're right. You know, things have been hard for you, Mom. But um, I'm going to go with you. That's what this is. Amen? Ruth clung. Ruth decided. This is, you know, those, 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 those um, crossroads are, are made to help us renounce everything. Look what Jesus says in Luke 14, 33. Luke 14, 33. So therefore, if any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Those crossroads are meant to help us to get to that place of renouncing. The word that renounce means to say farewell, to say goodbye. <laughs> I like that. Say goodbye to all that I have, all that I am, right, in myself, and take on a new identity in Jesus Christ to take on a new hope in Jesus Christ, right? To die to everything of the old man. See, the word means to bid formal farewell to something. Peter has not yet fully renounced his faith, his old life, but something still is appealing to him. But God has, Jesus has a plan for him. Peter's at a critical crossroads in his life. Peter is detached from the group. He's exhibiting self-determination, and he wants to return to his former vocation. Bad sign. Bad sign. Next week, we'll consider what brought Peter to this place. What happened? This did not happen in, you know, in a vacuum. Peter is in this place by circumstances, by situations, by things that he went through. And I think next week, we'll start to look at how did he get to this place where he just wants to go fishing? Are any of these signs in your life? Okay. Are you becoming increasingly detached or indifferent to God's people? I think that's happening a lot lately. People don't really care too much about each other and you know, spilling over to the church. Do you find yourself just doing what you want to do? Doing less of what the Lord wants you to do. Often you say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done, right? Are you craving just something that you used to enjoy before you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Are you craving that? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you may be at that critical crossroads. And I just want to encourage you. Those crossroads come to all of us. All of us are going to be time and again. If you say, no, I ain't happy with me, you have not learned yet. Any of us can be at that crossroads. And, and if we're not in the scriptures and we're not really learning, we could actually go back and not realize the fact. I think a lot of people have gone back but we don't realize it. They lost the fire. They lost the enthusiasm. They lost the zeal. They lost everything. But they still go to church. Because God's looking for them. They're not going to go back. You know, look at... Um, Hebrews chapter 11, chapter 11, we're, we're going to wrap up. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged they were strangers and sojourners on the earth. Some of us are going to die in faith. All of us. Things that we want, right? But having seen them and greeted them from afar, and I will, you know, one day I long to see God's people united, loving each other. I've seen them from afar. Will I experience that? I don't know. Will I die before them? 
going to be exiled. Good. But you're all doing this realizing this is not my home. Right? Verse 14, for a people who speak thus make it clear that they are speaking a holy thing. Right? They're speaking a holy thing. If they had been, look at the portion of verse 16. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, right, Moab, if they had been thinking, if they had been desiring to want to go back to something that they had, they would have had the opportunity In other words, God's going to allow us opportunity to return. If that's what you want, you will be given opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. Amen? That better country is Jesus, right? And all that that he is. They desire something, a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Amen? Hebrews 10.39, he encourages this. But we, I love this, it's beautiful. The Hebrew writer has such faith and such encouragement, the faith of the believer. We are not of those who turn back and are destroyed. We are not. saying we're not like that we are not those who turn back but we are of those who have faith and preserve the same in other words if you're in a crossroads put your hope in jesus christ he will bring you out you are not of those who shrink back don't let the devil say oh you're gonna turn back you're gonna turn back you're gonna go back you're gonna slip you're gonna do this right no no he's a liar we are not I mean, I mean that, that would be a great scripture. If you find yourself in a crossroads and you're finding temptation to go back, to do things, right? Memorize the scripture. Say, we, I am not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but I am of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Amen? We only, we can, we only, only reason we can say that is because of Jesus Christ, not because of your attitude, your power, your faith, whatever. Because of Jesus Christ. Amen? If you find yourself in that crossroads, do not give in to the lies of the enemy. Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, today. Thank you, Jesus, that this morning, this afternoon, oh, Lord, I, I think we're living in a time where so many, I believe, are at a crossroads. Some are aware of it. Some are not even aware of it. I mean, wondering about their lives. Would you call us to radically renounce the lies of all that our lives are defiled by? Any man does not have to renounce all that he has and can have. It's not even a matter of the willingness. pray, Lord, that these days of great calamity, that you would help us to renounce all that we have ever dwelled on, and that we would desire better things. Lord, because you are not